Welcome to the Kickoff episode number 35. I am your host for today, Neil Simons. Joining me on the panel is uh, Jack George and David Shalovsky. Guys, we're still in the World Cup. We're still in it. It's been two days. We're still in it. it it's, it's, I don't know, it's beginning to sink in now just a little bit. Uh, there's a bit more to analyze uh, at the moment going into sort of the, the, the greater detail, uh, what, what, this means for, what, what this means for the game, uh, the mainstream media attention, uh, and also, I guess, a little preview of the, the group stage opponents uh, that we'll face. But, uh, David, how are you? How are you feeling? How's the, how's the mood? Yeah, still, um, still buzzing after Tuesday. Obviously, um, on this pod and around football media, people were pretty pessimistic about our chances. Um, so great we got the result. And like you said, we made it to Qatar. And for Jack, how are you feeling? You're the man of the hour last week. Of course, uh, everyone uh, saw that you decided to, well, I guess, influence in some way, shape or form, uh, a soccer reviewing party. But uh, yeah, uh, feel free to sort of go into your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. I feel like we're like still in the social media stage where there's things that are popping up that I can new. And it's just really exciting, like... Usually I'm refreshing Twitter around the soccer's time and going, oh, what have they said now? You know, not that, like, I disagree with it. It's just sad, but I'm, it's a weird. Oh, his audio has cut out. Whoa, am I back now? Yeah, 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 you're back. This is this okay. is the Jack George special. His mic will tend to cut out uh, a lot throughout it's this It's not episode. my fault, I swear. Look, here's my mic. <laughs> Always plugged no. in. And it just sometimes just mutes me for no reason. That's your fault. But yeah, man. I mean, I feel on, like we're on. just, we're just still in like, it's just really exciting, you know, go on Twitter and like you see Red May throwing the bottle away and you see an interview with Red May admitting he's throwing the bottle away and everyone going, yes, good job. You know, see like the Peru media saying it should be what, like should be a rematch or something. It's horrible sportsmanship. I saw them go at Australia for having only hundreds of people turn up to the airport, you know, but it's all just, it's fun because we won. You know, like, it's just really fun. Like, we've all united as one, like, our little soccer Twitter group with that has been extended greatly, which is awesome. But there's just still, there's, like, these people where you're just, like, it's just so much fun. It's awesome. It is very awesome. And I think what, what was also awesome to see the reaction uh, from sort of the mainstream media as well. Well, I think we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but in terms of, I guess, delving into the the whole game and what have you. The, the guys on Tuesday covered that. Harper Pestinger, uh, Tom Williams, uh, Charnette. I think Scott Jamison was on for 20 minutes, which was very good. Um, good pod as always, boys. Uh, but Andrew Redmayne is is the sort of hero of the, the day in which he is the third in line uh, for the Socceroos goalkeeping uh, stick ranks, should you say. Um what do you make of the amount of interest that he's had, David? I think it's a, it's a special moment for him. Um, his is a career that at this stage isn't going to go beyond the A-League. Um, not to mention, you know, that's not to say that it's not a good career. You know, I've got mixed feelings because he's recently been signed to a three-year deal at Sydney. I'm a vehement critic of that. Um, but what can I say? I mean, I'm happy for him. It's a, it's a special moment for him, for his family. And good on him, yeah. And Jack, uh, any words on on Redders? 
Yeah, I just think it's really cool for him because it's just like you go in and I wasn't really checking through my head who was going to be the hero, but he certainly wasn't one that sprung to mind. Like, I mean, I didn't think I didn't think about the game at all to try and actually be able to be somewhat like do stuff before. But, you know, like going to penalties just assumed to be Ryan or if not Matt Ryan, then Danny Vukovic. And if not Vukovic, Redmay, if they'd somehow both gotten injured or something like that. So, and it was pretty insane because it, it was either going to end with Redmay, the penultimate villain of Australian football, and Graham Arnold not just sacked, but sacked in extreme disgrace because of subbing him on. He wouldn't have been sacked. Captain. Sorry, he wouldn't have been sacked. His contract would have ended. I think people did actually no. realize that, that Arnold's not going to stay on after this cycle. Like, Sorry, regardless well, like of the left, outcome. Like, be, like you know, leaving the job in disgrace because of some, like you know bringing on Redmay, who with you know like it's just a bit. But instead, it, or he was going to be like the only um, situation where he wasn't the ultimate hero or ultimate villain is if they just hit the post a bunch of times or missed. But even then, he can get some credit for getting in the head, like how he did, you know. So it was a pretty insane situation when I saw him, when, you know, everyone saw him come on, you see Twitter all of a sudden just explode, like, oh, we're going to lose, like that. So it's, yeah, it's fun. It was weird and, yeah, cool in the end. Uh, David, just sort of on that front, for Andrew Redmayne, uh, this is a real cathartic moment in his career, has been long maligned uh, ever since his Melbourne Heart days. Uh, I actually looked through for a photo that I had with him when I was, I think, 12 years old uh, at a local event uh, in Melbourne. And uh, I remember, I think Melbourne Heart sent him out to to do some stuff. And it was really, really interesting to see sort of how he's changed so much from that photo to where he is now as um, people are comparing us to, to the, to the John Aloisi uh, goal in 2005. Do you feel as if it's, it's comparable to that? And I guess some words on, on Redders as to the gravity in which he's come back from so much adversity throughout his career. Yeah. Well, that's, I'll just address that adversity first. That's a really good point, Neil, because um, Redmayne's a, a person who's had, mental health issues and issues with motivation and stuff like that. Um, he's had up and downs in his career like any player. To come back from them, yeah, it's a huge achievement. Um, it takes huge strength of character to come back. I think Neil's just dying in the background there. Mike Cornell. Yeah, man, I'm coughing fit, bro. I don't have COVID, but it's <laughs> just go um, on, go on. Where was I? Yeah, so it's, it's amazing for Andrew Redmayne to even be sort of still – in the headspace to be playing professional football, let alone um, catapulting our nation to a World Cup. In terms, I think you have to put his moment the other night, the other morning, up with yeah, with John Aloisi, Mark Schwarzer, because it's a huge moment in Australian football. I mean, a sudden death playoff penalty shootout. He's been subbed on. You know, he hasn't played. Apparently, Graham Arnold hadn't even told him he was going to come on. It was sort of a a last minute thing as far as Redders was concerned. Um, so I think his legacy, if he never plays a minute in the, in the soccer jersey again, is that he's sent us to World Cup and it's a it's a fantastic achievement. Uh, Jack, some, some words on that. As we heard someone of the comments saying, uh, Jack going full Joey yeah, Lynch. I just on the saw that. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Joey Lynch on the TNC podcast. Um, it was also Jack- my fault that we started late, by the way. So I'll take the blame for yeah. that one because I was late nah, back from right. training. Jack, Jack, so. we'll, we'll have to admonish you in, in many different ways. But um, yes, uh, Redders, um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's quite quite the contrast uh, from Western Sydney to to Sydney FC and Socceroos goalkeeper. He sh- people said he shouldn't have even been in the squad in the first place. And well, I think there's an argument that yeah, he shouldn't have been. Yeah, I think yeah. there definitely is credence to, to that to that to that thought. And also a big shout out to Jesse Hesford who um, put out. Um, well, it was actually an interesting discussion between Jesse Hesford and and Daniel Garb on the sort of psychology behind the penalty shootout and. I'll just read out the sort of this was a very inter- interesting interesting discussion that they had. Um, this was obviously on uh, this was obviously yesterday after um, a lot of discussion surrounding Mark Birigidi's selection or lack of selection. Um, Jesse said Birigidi saved a league leading three penalties, career penalty saves percentages: Redmayne fifteen percent, Ryan twenty nine percent, Birigidi thirty six percent. Redmayne hasn't saved a penalty for three ish years uh, uh, since obviously the A League Grand Final in twenty nineteen. Add Redmayne's two saves in the 2019 Grand Final and Birigidi's two saves in the FFA Cup. Round of 16 to cover shootouts. Uh, Garby says not only about penalty, penalty stopping, there's a dynamic about the relationship. And he talks about you know the goalkeeper union between himself, Matt Ryan, Vuka, and John Crawley, the goalkeeper coach. And uh, Jesse said, in my opinion, a good penalty stopper is a good penalty stopper. It's cut and dry attribute when a viable sample size is available. What is fair is Redmayne made the saves. Well done to all involved. Uh, what do you guys think about Redmayne's involvement in the first place? I know it's probably a bit unfair to talk about, but on what quality should we be selecting goalkeepers? Should it be more so on the camaraderie and pre-existing relationships they have with, you know, the uh, fellow goalkeepers or should it be more of a merit basis? Because Redmayne was, Redmayne was dropped for Tom Hewitt Bell during the season for Sydney FC. Yeah, Jack, do you want to start off and I'll... Sure. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I first think that the psychology of taking penalties is really easy because I was actually speaking to my friend about this today. Well, like speaking about Redmay throwing the bottle away and um, he was going, does it really matter? Like, because that like, they're just going to go one way and that's the end. And it's the psychology behind that because that you can pick the way they're strong. They'll go like that they find stronger and they'll just go the other way and then so on. And then so it just becomes like this. So it's just all psychology. And so, um. It's really. I think it was really interesting. The move to put on Redmay was. It sounds really weird, but I personally would have wouldn't have done it. Oh, like I mean, in hindsight, obviously, but like, it's. Just I, like, I, I, all I'll say is this: Jared Bagalu walked so that Andrew Redmayne could run. If you get that reference, then all power to you. <laughs> but yeah, I just think like. It's just like it's such a interesting decision to put on, you know, like like to sub on a different goalkeeper as the penalty specialist for a place in the World Cup when, like, as Jesse showed, he's not exactly a penalty specialist. He just had these amazing moments uh, in the 2019 Grand Final, and not to take away his quality as a goalkeeper, uh, not and not to take away from that moment in Socceroos game, which got us to a World Cup or the what what was it 2019? I might be saying the wrong year. Penalty shootout, yeah. But, yeah. but you know, based off statistics, Matt Ryan probably should have stayed in goals. But then again, on top of that, you know, like uh, there's an element of psychology there where you bring on a new goalkeeper, and Peru players aren't maybe wouldn't be 100 percent familiar with him. And I mean, you don't know what goes in their analysis department. Were they analyzing penalties as if Ryan was going to be saving them, or would they look at all three? You know, like it's hard to know without all these you know questions. But I just think like. Risky move, 
but I can also see the psychology of Red May just like making a fool of himself and really, really getting in their face and trying to disrupt their processes by like, just like, cause they just like, the, I mean, the, um, apparently he saved, I think it was around 16 seconds. The guy had lined up the ball and had moved back and it was like ready to take it. And it was Red May just delayed it and delayed it. And that would really make a penalty taker uncomfortable because they've got, they just want to keep the feel for the ball and they just need to hit it because they're a professional footballer. And if they hit it well enough, they can beat the goalkeeper, you know, like pretty much even if they go the right way from like a standing start, you know. So like I think Remy did really well at getting the head and it's just really hard to tell if Ryan would have done the same thing because, you know, he didn't get the chance. What I will say is that Matt Ryan took it exceptionally well because it, I thought he was, I honestly, you look at it and you look at him coming off you look at the way he's jing up Redmay before the penalty shootout and the way he just took it instantly as the captain of the soccer ruse, ready to like, who's probably preparing himself to be the hero, you know, like mentally to like act as the hero. He took it exceptionally well because I'm pretty sure everyone watching it would have gone, oh, planned decision. Must be a fine. weird decision maybe, but a planned decision. And he needs to be commended for that because that was exceptional, I thought. And Redmay too because he obviously got us to the World Cup. David, any final words? Yeah, I'll just agree with um, with Jack there that the point about Matt Ryan, the way he handled I think that's been sort of missed, glossed over a bit. Um, took it in a stride. I think the one caveat to that is, how do, I, how do I phrase this? The penalty shootout, for me, I can't really phrase it any better than it's a bit of a circus act. It's not football for me. And, you know, it's been the subject of many a barroom discussion for me and my friends. Like, you know, what, how else can we decide a game? Because for me, that's not football. Um, so I think for Matt Ryan, he knows that, you know, Arnold has a plan and it's for this, it's not that, uh, Andrew Redman is superseding him as the number one. It's just for this specific moment, this specific game, the specific night. So I think, you know, despite that, Ryan did take it well. And I think, yeah, Redman just got into their heads and look, there's an element of luck involved as well. Um, penalties as always, like the penalty wasn't, it was at a decent height for Redman, wasn't struck extremely well. I wouldn't say. Um, but yeah, it worked out. So I think it makes Redman look good. The keeper coach look good, and ultimately makes Graham Arnold look really good as well. So it was the right call because it because we yeah, won. absolutely. Um, just to uh, get some some thoughts, guys, on on the attention that the Socceroos have received. This is the most amount of media attention I remember um, Australian football receiving since the FIFA Women's World Cup announcement two years ago. In fact, I'd say this probably eclipses it in terms of the gravity of the situation and. Um, I guess, how many people actually care? Um, I guess, first of all, from a, I guess, well, I'll preface this by saying we are a media publication. We have published stuff on the Socceroos and the qualification campaign, uh, especially the Mobile comments, uh, a brief summary of the uh, sort of the status of the Socceroos in Australian football. After that, an opinion piece penned by Oliver Walker Peel and also uh, Redmayne's thoughts uh, following the penalty shootout. It's really good to see the mainstream media pay attention and to see the disparaging remarks from a certain writer from a, for a, a national uh, newspaper last week con- contrasted with the reaction this week has really been heartwarming. Uh, David, I'll start from start with you. This is uh, this is a real watershed moment for Australian football. Sorry, is that a is that a statement or a question? Well, <laughs> it's a statement leading into sort of your assertions. Yeah. That you're make. <laughs> um, 
Well, is it though? I'd probably contest that just simply because we see this boom bust cycle with the media, and I think we're just sort of in like in a perpetual cycle of make World Cup, get attention, and then it's quiet till the next. Yeah, I, I I mean um, watershed as in terms of the the last couple years and what that's led yeah, up to. Of course. Yeah, of course the media attention is heightened because we made the World Cup. I think that would be the same if we won the group by ten points or if we snuck in like the way we did. <laughs> Um, this just the way we went in adds a bit of theater, you know, the penalty shootout, the, um, the Andrew Redmayne stuff, it adds that bit of, um, that theater, that extra sort of, you know, extra excitement. Uh, I'm just concerned that, yeah, the media attention will die down. Um, but obviously it's a shot in the arm. It's a sugar hit. Uh, we need it. Obviously football is going through a transition at the moment. Media wise, um, competing with other sports as it always is. But hopefully this is some momentum we can then turn into a good showing at the World Cup. And obviously we've got the Women's World Cup coming up. So onwards and upwards, hopefully, in terms of mainstream media interest. And I, I guess just a follow-up question for that. How do you feel as if we could build upon this and, and get fans back into stadiums? And I'd like to remark something that I put in a thread on Twitter yesterday is that the A-Leagues have a unique opportunity here with the season starting in October and the World Cup starting in November. Yeah, you have the month break, but you have momentum a month after the World Cup ends or however long the break is however long the break is going to be. Like I probably think two weeks to be honest. But you have that momentum. You have that break. You have that basis to go off of and you can progress beyond that. Uh, which is a really important thing for the APL because they can set to their marketing strategies and, and syndication and um, exposure, stimulus, whatever, what have you, uh, around the World Cup. I guess to that point, how do you feel as if and what approaches should the APL take in promoting the league moving forward? Yeah, well, marketing is not my strong suit, but I think just building on the like the, the soccer rules that are in the A-League. I mean, Andrew Redmayne, if Sydney FC don't promote the hell out of that moment for the next year, I'll be shocked. Like there's so much, there's so much material there. Players like Craig Goodwin, um, A-League players that have, have, you know, can play on the world stage that, that have shown it, building on the back of that. Um, and just, I don't, yeah, I don't actually have a good answer to that, but I think we need to find ways to harness the energy we have, the country has for football at the moment. And that's what we're always trying to do. We're always trying to get, people who will wake up for the soccer is at 4am. How do we get them into A-League grounds? I don't really have an answer, unfortunately. Um, apart from what I yeah, just mentioned. For sure. Um, Jack, I, I just guess, especially with Andrew Redmayne, he's playing for Sydney FC. Like, this is a guy yeah. that they're returning to the SFS next season. Sydney mm. FC, hypothetically, should be positioned, I would never thought I would say this in my entire life. Sydney FC should, pos- should position their marketing strategy around Andrew Redmayne. Like Absolutely. this guy is the most popular yeah. man in Australia. Uh, for someone like Sydney FC, I, I think for Andrew Redmayne, more, more, more so, this is really going to raise his profile and his stocks. I think the other thing about Andrew Redmayne is he's like, he's such a uh, humble hero, you know, and that's really nice to see, you know, like, I mean, he even said it straight after the game. He's like, I'm not a hero, you know, like, and that's just like really nice, like, I guess it's like this nice balance of you do have this who who is now an iconic stature of Australian football and probably will be for a long time, but he's very calm about it. But like at the same time, I think we do need to obviously harness that 
I would be very surprised if Sydney FC don't advertise their first home game of the season with posters of Andrew May, for example, saying you can meet the hero, particularly with the World Cup, which will be, what, around the corner? Yeah, you know, like, you know, this is the guy that got us there. Come watch him play and he'll sign your, like, new Sydney FC jersey and stuff like that. And it's a really good way of getting, you know, like, I, I know a bunch of friends, right, that wouldn't come to a Sydney FC game but what and didn't watch the game but watched the shootout and saw it on like BR football or something, Red May throw the bottle away and would 100 and have already said to me, when's the next Sydney FC game? I want to go see this guy play, you know, and he, at the end of the day, he's not going to do anything remarkable, like most likely, because he's just like, he's a goalkeeper, you know, like, so it's not like the same as like, oh, a striker's touched the ball and attacking midfielders touched the ball, but like people will go, I think, and watch him just be there as like a, just Red May. You know, I also think like, the beauty about the rips, like even like just the celebration of Redmay, is it like I think it captures Australian football really well because you've got that instant meme of his face, but the face is like part of this little personal connection he has with his daughter, where he's making his daughter laugh. And like I loved your tweet, Neil, where you screenshotted the image of him seeing his daughter at the airport, and he made that exact same face. Mm. And it's like it's really nice to see because you've got like this whole meme, and that goes insane. But within this little Australian football community, we know like that he's um. That like it's just this like little moment between him and his family, which I think really captures Australian football because that you can go and you probably could meet Redmayne at a Sydney FC game, like you know, in England in the Premier League, you know, like you couldn't go and meet Jordan Pickford if he gets them to the World Cup. Although you, you get what I mean, like so it's I think that we really need to try harness like the interconnectedness of Australian football and the fact that you can you are you are one big community and the big communities, there's little sub-communities like, you know, like different fan bases and stuff. And within those fan bases, you can actually form connections with players and become friends with them because they are real people and they love, you know, like they harness the attention well in terms of like they will will meet with you and they'll be nice to you and stuff like that. And I think that's what we really need to like, you know, yeah. Try to the end. Yeah. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there, in my, in my opinion. I don't think that's really been highlighted enough as well. Um, David, I guess just to sort of close off this, this Socceroos discussion, uh, Michelle, I'll just go to both of you. Uh, sort of, do you think that this is the fire starter for the new era of Australian football? We have a, a Women's World Cup next year, uh, we have a massive A League season ahead, National Second Division. I'm hoping for next year. I just don't think so. But this is a, a real intriguing moment uh, for Australian football. I know I'm look, maybe I'm viewing it in too much of a commercial sense, and I think getting into, onto the on pitch matters is something that we'll do a little bit later when we when we talk when we talk about the other teams that we're facing up against in the World Cup. But I guess the, the long winded question is: uh, Will this change anything? Um, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that. We have this discussion in the in the kickcast uh, Slack chat. You know, what happens if we don't make it? Is that better or worse, sort of long term? And I think I've probably come around to pe- the people who were saying that making it is ultimately better because the money that gets brought in, the attention, um, and I think like we just mentioned before, the momentum. Like this is yeah, this could be the sort of the first the first step into you know a good World Cup performance, a huge A League season next year. Um, a huge Women's World Cup where we get to the semifinals or the final, we win the World Cup, as unlikely as that seems now. Um, it could be the first step. I'm really hoping it is. I just think it's, yeah, it all it remains to be seen. Uh, and Jack? Yeah, I think that 
particularly with the game times as well. It's a really good position. And the other thing is that there are A-League players starting and playing consistently for the Socceroos beyond Red May. You know, like, what was there? There was Lecky that started on the weekend. Was there any other? I don't think so. None of the starting 11, I don't think. But no. You've got Jay McLaren. Yeah, but McLaren scored, McLaren scored a penalty. Goodwin scored a penalty, you know, yeah. so on. There, like, they, there are these players that you can actually go and watch at your local you know, like local, what's the stadium, you know, like area. And I think that um, like with the game times, we've got a a 6am Wednesday game against France where like it's only an hour earlier than most people would wake up probably, assuming you wake up around 7. I think a lot of people watch that. Then we've got 9 Yeah, yeah, I definitely wake up at 7am every day for sure. Yeah, every day. 7am, that's the wake up time. Definitely. That's wake up time. We wake up for the France game. I I definitely wake up at 7am, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Go on. Cool. And then on Saturday, we have Tunisia. You know, like that's a 9 p.m. game. So Saturday, we have nine, you know, a Saturday. I want to say games. about that, though, that and the 2 a.m. games. These are games in summer in Australia. Get everyone at the pubs. Make these viewing parties. No, that's I what I mean. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say need, is You that need to harness this, man. We, you need to well, like. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm saying we should harness it. But like, yeah, so with those two. Oh, he's gone out again. Well, who's surprised? Uh, I told you Jack George's I'm mic would go out twice, and he did. He, he called um, it, Neil. Can I keep on going? No. Yeah. No, of course you can. <laughs> but um, oh, where was I up to? Uh, yeah, two games. If we do actually all right, and then maybe we play Denmark with a chance of actually making the knockout stages, particularly if this like, France thing is true where they just can't make the knockout stages because of like they won it last year, last time, then they um we could actually like – People might get up for that 2 a.m. game and they watch Ellie plays, you know, like so on. And they go, oh, this and then this is where we need to harness it. Like, oh, well, Craig Goodwin plays for Adelaide United or if he still does, you know, why don't you go watch this soccer? I think, they, I think there should even be more of an emphasis placed upon the development structures. I think within that squad, 19 players had played in the A-League or something like yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, even looking at the players that played in that starting lineup, yeah, Atkinson, and Lewis Miller. Sorry, no, Lewis Miller, geez. Atkinson and uh, Rolls played in the A-League that season um, True, yeah. and earned moves overseas off the back of their A-League performance. Well, Oliver's performances, but A-League performances. Uh, so that's what needs to be reinforced. There's also match minutes being afforded to youngsters at the age of 20, 20 to sort of 23, and then these players get moves to good European leagues. Denny Genro, uh, Riley McGree, uh, and also all the Scottish boys, you know that that that's what we should be emphasising is the the, the 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 pathways have improved from a um, a professional standpoint. The, the youth discussion is a different just different topic uh, in its entirety. But I'm sorry to interject, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, and um, I think the other to, thing is yeah. sorry. I think the other thing is like we are at this really good position in Australian football with Ange overseas like i don't know if you guys saw that <laughs> that toast like the wedding toast. oh yeah yeah. That? <laughs> yeah have you seen it david no i don't think so oh, no, i'd recommend watch he essentially goes oh like amazing stuff it's meant to be out his wife and he goes and then goes so here's a toast to Ange foster coglin it's during his actual like wedding or something like that it's quite funny but um yeah and like so we like again with Ange, where all the celtic fans love him because obviously they won the league it's like if it was like and then, like, the couple of players in Germany as well. It feels like we are starting to appeal to these wider range of audiences, if that makes sense, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I think that we really need to just enjoy this point because it's not always going to be this good, you know. So it is nice to just, like, take back in the fact that, like, 
we've gone viral in so many different ways with Red May, with that reporter, you know, going crazy. And, you know, like the, again, you know, again, Red May with the water bottle throwing, like it's just his whole story. And then with Ange as well, you know, through Scotland, like it is, we are at a really cool time. And I think it's nice to sit back and enjoy it for a little bit and then look at what well, we do need to look at how we can harness it <laughs> and get the A-League attendances. Cause yeah, that was a bit pointless. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And we could go into a whole state of the game discussion. And I, I might just preface this. I'm sure you guys agree with me. Despite qualification for the World Cup, that does, this does not remotely change anything about Australian football struggles on the pitch, about our youth development structures, about um, cost of you know playing, etc. This does not change anything. It's not change anything. The only thing it changes is that we are perceived and the Australian public perceive the Socceroos as a legitimate national football team. Which is um, which is good, which is very very good. Yeah, of course. Just just quickly, just to back that up. Um, when was the Japan game? Two two months ago, like yeah, March, yeah. April, March. Yeah, that was a horrible March. night, and that was. I mean, that that's still fresh for me. So, we do need to keep perspective. Uh, like you said, Neil, the issues aren't gone, but hopefully, you know, they're just in the background for a while while we enjoy this this moment for now. Absolutely, and uh, it provides. Football Australia, a very good financial windfall as well, which uh, they don't actually have to take care of the A-Leagues. So I guess they could put it, put their money in, in other areas, which would be very good for the game. Heading on into the FIFA World Cup group stage opponents. I'll try and be as quick as possible here. Um, what, where are we, we going to go with this, guys? Denmark, France, Tunisia. We faced off against the latter two. We've got two. the most notes about Denmark. We've got the All most got notes about France Denmark. The well, there we go. Um, won the World Cup last time. <laughs> let's just go rapid fire here, guys. Uh, I'll just go to you two. Uh, Denmark, Jack, uh, tell us more. Um, I haven't watched them play apart from like 20 minutes, but I quite like them and I want to watch them play more, but then I ran out of time. But like, I mean, I looked up stats instead to try and bring something. Like they've got nine points in their Nations League thing. I don't know whether any of them actually care about that, but they've got nine points, but it's from an expected 4.5. France are last in their group, I think. They lost to Austria and uh, Croatia. (laughs) Haven't England's like scored less goals than Hungary? I don't know. Like apparently, based off listening to an English podcast, England fans just don't care about it. And I don't know whether many people do. But anyway, they've... So you should take these these stats seriously. Um, they've got nine points from an expected 4.5, which is like, so they've overperformed by double, which is a lot. And they, they just have like pretty average attacking stats. They compete in a lot of aerial duels. Uh, I don't know what that means, but, you know. And they lose the ball a lot, which is they're interesting the, as well. They're good at the and end. Then, they're very physical. Yeah, they lose the ball quite a bit. At least They have that Denmark DNA, dare I say. Yeah. <laughs> They fight, and, um, they fight and win. Well, yeah, they lose the ball quite a bit, which is, I guess, interesting to look at in terms of because then they're, they're like part, their passes per defensive action, sorry, like cons- like what the ones they put off aren't very high as like to what you'd expect. So like they lose the ball and then they can kind of just sit a bit, but it's those attacking transition moments. Maybe that's the takeaway is what we could perhaps profit off against them. But it's like what, like six months away. It's hard to kind of tell. Uh, David, uh, Tunisia. <laughs> uh, look, I got to admit, my notes are a bit lacking. Um, I don't even know where they finished in their group, to be honest. You got to be brutally honest here. Um, what group? The Nations League group? Afcon. Afcon. In, the, in the FIFA World Cup qualifying. Oh, this yeah, is Tunisia. Yeah, sorry, I don't. I Tunisia, thought you were yeah. about Denmark still. 
I got to defer no. to one of you two boys, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll just I'll just go here. They obviously defeated Japan three 0 in the Kirin Cup, um, which is international what is friendly that? tournament. I've got no idea. They also beat Chile two 0 as well. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm not sure if they sent a very good squad, but um, yeah, the, the for the for that squad, the in terms of the players that are playing in top five leagues, uh, they've got one. In the four, actually, no, they've got two. Sorry, uh, they've got uh, Hannibal Mabry and uh, Ali Abdi. Who uh, so Hannibal Mabry plays for Manchester United, who is 15 caps at the age of 19, and Ali Abdi uh, is 28 and plays for Cannes. They've also got players based uh, in Russia with Ruben Kazan. Uh, plenty of players uh, based in the sort of Nordic leagues as well, with uh, uh, Adam Belamin playing for Yonok Ping, who is uncapped. And many players based in their local uh, league as well. So, a um, couple of players playing in uh, Asia as well. Uh, Naim Satili, Sefuddin Jaziri, uh, Taha Yassin Kenesi is playing in Kuwait. Uh, Firaz Ben Labi, uh, who's playing in UAE. Uh, Fayan Sasi playing in Qatar. Uh, we've got some players playing, you know, for Fernvakos in the Hungarian uh, first division as well. So, this team is very hard to sort of base them off. I don't think we should write them off as much, but let's be honest, guys, this is probably our best opportunity to get three points in the bag. Uh, their defensive you know, sort of uh, four look quite good uh, in terms of where they play and stuff, but yeah, it's not, because it's very, very difficult to take a lot out of it. Uh, they did, uh, they've, they, they defeated Nigeria in their AFCON, uh, AFCON uh, sort of exploits and they did, Lose to Burkina Faso in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, this team's a bit. This team's a bit weird uh, in terms of results and stuff. They seem to be quite interesting. In the Arab Cup last year, they defeated the UAE one nil and defeated Oman two one. So, I'd say this team's pretty on par on us. If you look, if you look at the the, t- the teams that they've faced as well, uh, compared to sorry that we've also faced in, in recent times. Um, but David, yeah, I'll probably go to you for France because uh, they're just uh, NRI central. Yeah, juggernaut of a team, obviously. Uh, big name coach. I mean, you've got Kylian Mbappe, Golo Kante, uh, Paul Pogba. You've got Griezmann. You've got, you know, I'm I'm terrified of what they're going to do to us. <laughs> um, to be fair, though, I, I think look, last time we played, last time we played we- them. We actually, we we actually in, put up a pretty good fight. I'm not we played lie, them in Russia, lie. and we were ahead, if memory serves me. Well, no, no, uh, no, 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 we weren't. We should have we been. Were? That that we penalty to that, that that Josh Risden penalty still uh, frustrates me. Yeah, greatly. sorry, the Risden penalty. Yeah, um, but look, I think we're not likely to get a result against them, but they're not, you know, unbeatable. Um, we've got to try our best, but look. We'll probably budget zero points for that one. Is is four points normally enough to get out of the group or not? I'm trying to. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. I mean, we got four points in 2010 and we didn't get out of the group. So, yeah. if we can beat Tunisia and then Jagger result against either France or Denmark, could be a way to. We could be. On, we could the, be on. I mean, there was talk about us yeah. getting through uh, on four points in 2018 when we when we faced uh, our, our tribals Peru. And you know what's really funny yeah. is that we faced off against all our World Cup opponents. Uh, we're facing we're facing off against all our World Cup opponents in 2018 this year. So it's 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 funny how the world works. Um, but any final words before we head on into some uh, A League transfer news? I have a controversial opinion. Oh boy! I, I think 
I think that we will um we've got more chance of getting something out against France than we do against Denmark. I don't think mm. I don't think is that controversial. But well, France are a better team, so I thought it would like yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting, interesting approach. I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you, but you know, hey, there you go. Transfer news, guys. Um, not a lot due to the Socceroos stuff and clubs obviously not announcing too much. But um, yeah, there are some things to go off of and we'll just go pretty quickly. We've covered some of these in, in, in this in this document already. Um, but I guess Brandon O'Neill to the Newcastle Jets is the the most pertinent one. Uh, David, what are your thoughts? Uh, he's obviously requested his release from the glory and that has been granted. Yeah, odd one. Um, obviously, I, I saw he was asked, I thought, you know, requested a release. Um, it's weird because Billings from Perth originally, or at least he's got some roots there. Yeah. Um, despite that weird accent he has. Anyway. Irish, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, it's a great signing for the Jets. Lost for glory because he's one of their best players at the moment, or was, rather. And, I mean, things were looking very grim for them at many times of this campaign. Uh, but for the Jets, it's their game. Um, Jets are a club, I guess, I don't like this word in sports, but they're in a rebuilding phase. Um, obviously, missed the finals. So, Brandon O'Neill's a player who's classy on the ball, can defend well. Um, I, when he was paired with Josh Brillante in the Sydney FC midfield, he was playing some scintillating stuff. If he gets back to that form, I think Jets could could possibly get back in the six this year because he's that influential potentially in the centre of the park. I think it's interesting about the Jets too because that I wouldn't actually personally call them in a rebuilding phase because they're in Arthur Pappas's second year of um and he's trying to change the system and I think it's really interesting. Lost oh. again, Jack. Okay, that's three times. <laughs> For those not watching, <laughs> I'll have uh, to. I don't know what to do. Oh, maybe I'll get. It's all right. It's probably straight yard, to be honest. My dad, so yeah. you can blame him. But um, yeah, I think that like the second year of the signings is going to be really interesting because he made some really cool ones in the first year, but he also got some ones wrong. Like the fact that he wants to play this progressive possession-based football. Sorry, no, possession-based football, not as much progressive. Um, is um, but then he didn't sign any kind. Like he didn't sign a six who was able to be that solid link player within the team, and that really hindered them. And particularly in the moments where they lost the ball. They were just all over the place because they didn't have that kind of structure in, like with the ball. Because like they keep the ball to, as a way of defending, because it obviously you have the ball, you, you the other team can't score. But then they lose it, and they were just all over the place. So like I think O'Neill is a really interesting one because he's a good um, reader of counter pressing situations, and he knows when to step up and engage in a press, and when to just sit and like kind of form you know like a different structure. And I think that's really important and it will be really interesting to look at the other signings Jets make, particularly if Pena leads, which it seems like he's not going to stay at the Jets at least because it, you know, I think the kind of rule is you give a coach, um, you know, like three summer transfer windows, sorry, three big transfer windows. Like that's like, just like how obviously a lot of teams don't do that, but that's like the kind of being figured out the study. I don't know what study, but I I've read it and it's just stuck in my head as the rule that like to actually give a coach a time to implement their philosophy on the team you give them three seasons, you know. And so this second one's going to be really interesting to see. Look at how he rebuilds because he has actually lost a lot of players, how he rebuilds that, but also how he continues to improve the squad because obviously you'd think they could make top six because his style of football kind of indicates that they will, if that makes sense. Like it's a style of yeah, football that, of a successful absolutely. side. 
that last season and last season everyone was taken aback by that style of football but in the end it didn't produce too many like good results you know like so yeah. i think it'll well, be really the, interesting to see they had the system they just didn't have the cattle and it's whether they can can get them i think that's the missing piece of the puzzle but just quickly on on pena um is he either going over to more park or uh Korea? sydney fc is the the work talk around the town but yeah this report that he might be going to Daegu might complicate things. Um, but yeah. either way, he's not not staying in Newcastle. No. Well, because I think both Sydney and the Korean team can pay a higher loan fee or transfer yeah. fee, and that's the important thing because yeah. his club doesn't care where he goes. They just want to get as much money. That's so, yeah. always been the issue with the Jets. I mean, financially, they just they've never been. I mean, they're funded by Sydney FC Wanderers and. West yeah. United. Oh, the other thing I'll say about the Jets is they were like super reliant on Pena doing like everything with the ball for them last season. 100%. Well, those so games were just last Pena, basically. It's going to be really interesting, to, and particularly with their rotations. Their rotations were all about Pena getting in the right positions mm. and doing something with it, which is fine. But now they lose him, and say they bring in someone like Piscopo, which is the rumor. He is not. Yeah, I, I understand guy. Piscopo. I understand Piscopo. And I think it will be really interesting to look at how Pappas actually builds a squad whereby they've got, I mean, like, because most of their chances, like, they came through individualistic actions, mainly through Pena rather than actual causes of the system doing, like, good stuff. Like, for example, in Melbourne City, a lot of their chances are based off, obviously every chance is based off an individual, eh, I can't say that word, individual actions, but... They all come through system-based movements, like where McLaren knows where to run based off Naboo having the ball because they know Naboo can take her on his man. And I think it'll be really interesting to look at how they adapt to not having that player, because I assume they won't, who can take on that game and essentially can win a game on his own and just build more of this sustainable system where they create chances through that and through like just like clever little player actions rather than someone, you know, like Pena shooting from halfway or something like that, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I understand Renato Piscopo should be signing with the Jets. So, yeah, yeah, good. Fun. Also, uh, Rory Jordan has also signed for the Jets. Uh, well, linked to linked to the Jets as has been previously reported by Kick Three Sixty. A uh, bit of transfer news there, not really exclusive, but you know, the talk around the town is that Piscopo is linked to the Jets, and I can confirm those assertions. He's linked to the Jets. The victory, I'm not sure if you go to the victory, but it'd be a very good career move for him. Just in terms, I uh, no, I don't think I don't think he'd fit there. No, look, if Rojas Cruz is not there anymore, so that 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 that's one person. He'd fit there as the ten, but not as one of the wide wingers in Bremer's the ten. Uh, so as a ten, yes. Uh, do I see Bremer leaving? Probably. Uh, I could see. Oh, the champion. true. Yeah, um, I I'd say Bremer's probably the, the next to go. To be honest, but anyway, that's another discussion in its entirety. Uh, we'll go through, I guess, the two Scottish signings in Lewis Miller and, and Kai Rolls. Um, I just, you know, it's good guys. Well, it's it's good. <laughs> Lewis Miller, um, gone going to uh, Macarthur and then to Hib- Hibernian. Um, yeah, feel better for the yeah. Central Coast. Um, to be honest, but yeah, just uh, any but, words on that? Just keep, keep keep it brief. Miller more of a surprise to me. I think Kyrol's definitely earned it. Um, I think I think Miller did it. as well. To be honest, he's I one think, of the, yeah, I, yeah. I was really yeah. surprised when Miller went. To, I thought he was going to go overseas. Yeah, I, I was surprised when he went to MacArthur. I thought he'd go overseas because he's he's that good. He's like Trent Alexander Arnold, but not as quick. You know, um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I I feel as if he's he's very in terms of they're very tall. They're able to they are they're very easily able to progress the ball forward. Miller's a very good defender. Uh, that that's 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 the comparisons I'm making. 
purely. Miller says Miller is very forceful in his actions and he's very positive. So it's really like you can tell he's going to go well in Europe or at least get scouted by Europe club because he's got a great physical presence and he is able to take on players one-on-one and like take the onus of his own individual battles. And he also is good at just bringing other players into play, but all the runs he makes are forward and positive, which is really good. And I mean, like, I was I was honestly very surprised when he went to MacArthur and didn't go overseas because even though he's only really had like probably a whole season of football now, but like even just this season three quarters, pretty much maybe a whole one. I don't know, but you know, like he played most. He played all the games pretty much. Yeah, I think that like I mean he's a really good player. I'm I'm excited to see him go to buzzing, Scott, buzzing for him. Absolutely buzzing. Uh, just Mustafa Amidi, yeah. just Mustafa Amidi took the glory. Just David, just keep it quick. I mean, it's sort of expected. Payday for Mustafa yeah. didn't really wow anyone at Sydney FC. I think um, he was underutilized by Clarica. That's yeah. sort of a yeah, yeah that that too. Um, happy to see him get a bit of stability. Um, when I spoke to him for Kick Three Sixty, he said he wanted to stay in Sydney, so it's with his family and stuff. So it's moving, you know, five hours away is not nothing. But glad he's in the country and he's still playing in our league. For sure. Uh, Noah think, Smith and... Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, go, you know what? Go on because we're running out of time. Yeah. George Smith. Uh, sorry, George Smith. Jesus. I just mixed up the two names. George DeMatheu and Noah Smith signing for the Melbourne Victory. Surprised uh, for Noah Smith and George DeMatheu for making these moves. Um, seems that Popovich wants to turn these guys into absolute superstars. Uh, can he do so? I think he can. I think George DeMatheu is one of the best ball-playing centre-backs in the competition. Um, perhaps that his defensive pairing... Uh, this season uh, with, well, last season with Elsie didn't really suit his uh, skill set that much, but with Roder- with Roderick Miranda, he could succeed. Yeah, I think it's Jack? a good pickup. Sorry, Jack. Nope. No, go on. Oh, David, sorry. Yeah, I just, I, I <laughs> much, um, five or six words. Yeah, it's a good pickup for me, for the Reds. I think for Noah Smith, Noah Smith <laughs> a, I think Noah Smith is a clever signing because, um, you saw when Jason Davidson wasn't in the squad, not that Noah Smith is Jason Davidson, but they just really lacked that emphasis and like that attack down the left, particularly when he was playing inverted at the end of the season, blah, blah, blah. But he was a massive threat in attack. And Stefan um, Negro isn't the same. Like he's just, and particularly when he's playing right foot as a left back, you know, like he doesn't have that same like attacking threat. Whereas I feel like Noah Smith can offer that uh, as a substitute when needed. So when Davidson needs a rest for one game, it's clever to have someone like Noah Smith who has the same kind of, I guess, footballing philosophy in like what he wants to do as a left back. Obviously no one is the same technical quality, but that's good to have. Like it's like, it's kind of like a, um, like it's an exact backup rather than having someone having to play a position where they're not familiar in and sorry, not like comfortable in a role, which they can't really do, you know? Yeah, and just obviously, I'll just sort of take the Ryan Williams to to Perth Glory transfers. A very interesting one, as he has had extensive experience in England, uh, and also the Glory paid a sorry, yeah, the yeah, the Glory paid a transfer fee for him. So, um, obviously, you know how much? I know it said undisclosed, but do you guys know? Uh, It's I can't expect it to be more than five figures, more than six figures, to be honest. So, low six figures, I imagine. Sorry, but low to mid six. Their last transfer fee was that Sudden Arrow guy. Yeah, they paid they paid money for him. I can't believe that. Yeah, but like um in terms of, you know, Ryan Williams, he's played a lot of championship football, uh, played notably in that eighteen nineteen Rotherham United season and has also played for 
uh, Oxford United and Portsmouth in League One, which is a very good standard. Also got the one Socceroos cap in 2019, I think, against South Korea uh, when they played uh, that game. I distinctly remember watching it on this laptop. Um, and yeah, he, well, he's a Socceroo and <laughs> guess Glory can sign a Socceroo. Um, this could be the catalyst for him, you know, maybe breaking into the Socceroo squad again if he has a good season. How old, how old is he? He's 28. He's, he's 29. 28. 28. He's yeah. still got, got, a bit of, got a bit of time left. Yeah. Got a bit of time left in the legs. Um, we'll, we'll see what he can do. Uh, we'll go very briefly. Oli Roos losing uh, 2 0 to Saudi Arabia. Uh, I watched uh, the first half of this before I went to bed. Uh, I've watched the second half this morning. Yeah, this is this was just yeah. We 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 performed well in in the sort of opening phases of the contest, but again, a third red card of the tournament to Jay Rich Bagalu was sort of uh yeah. Do we think wasn't, that was wasn't good? Sorry, I mean the way I, I read it in text described in text was a lot worse than what I saw in the video. I mean, for me, that's not a red. Any any consternation about that, or, or do we think? It's uh, I don't think it's a red card. I think it's, it's the follow through was a follow through. Did it look bad on that specific angle? Absolutely, but I think it's a bit unfair. The the, the, the two yeah. prior red cards, especially the Tristan Hammond one, was way worse. Yeah, um, that's, that's like definitely the softer, softer end of the spectrum for me. Yeah, yeah, and that changes the game. I mean, a red card is a huge moment. It was in the the fortieth minute or so, I believe. Yeah. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching it now. So yeah, it was it was quite grim. Um, yeah, that is a little. Yeah, I don't like criticizing refereeing decisions, but that that's a, a little bit interesting. Well, it wasn't the referee. It was the VAR, intention. Wasn't it? Yeah, not that ma- not yeah. that intention matters as much, but like he wasn't trying to do anything. Like he was just kicking a ball. <laughs> yeah, it's a follow through. Yeah. I mean, but the VAR made the call, didn't they? Or was it? Yeah. The- no, sorry. No, I meant just refereeing. Uh, in general, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Sort of surprised to see VAR in that comp, but that's that's good, I guess. Why did yeah, we no, get good. so many red cards, Neil? Because I didn't. I, I'll be honest. Um, I didn't watch any of the games because they're all at eleven PM. So I can't. I'm really going to be really honest with you guys. I think it's, it's it's been it's very poor refereeing. It's a poor refereeing yeah. standard. Uh, the but did other teams get lots of red cards, or was it just us? I haven't really been paying attention, but I've watched the Australian games and to see the red cards that we've been given, very soft. The Yangi one. Was a two-match ban, by the way, um, and the, and all the red cards have gone to VAR. They weren't straight reds, just given by the referee. So the VAR had had, had to have a look at it. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think besides that, we've performed very well. Like we've played three matches out of the um, out of the five we've played without eleven players on the pitch for a large portion of the fixtures. So. I think we've been pretty good in this tournament uh, in, by that extension, although I'm very concerned with the amount of goals that we're scoring and the chances that we're creating. Um, Lachlan Brooks has been very good for me. Lewis Miller has been very good for me. Louis Dorigo and obviously Jairich Bagalou has been the standout player. But there's a lot to, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this Oli Roos squad. Um, it's probably a good time for Trevor Morgan to, to, to step down. I think... Uh, He's performed well with this team. They're playing with a lot of enthusiasm and they're able to break these teams down very well. Uh, but when I see these comparisons about, oh, I wish the Socceroos could play this way. No, I'm sorry. You, you, you're you able to, to, to effectively batter down um, Kuwait or Jordan like that because they're not at the level of, op- they're not at the level of quality that Australia is. So, um, yeah, I think the comparisons, it's very frustrating, but 
nonetheless, a good performance. Uh, we're playing Japan on Saturday, uh, so that will be a very enticing fixture, and we'll see how we, how we perform. But yeah, a good a good performance, and hopefully we can follow that up with a a finals appearance in twenty twenty four to you know, get ourselves quickly, into the into the Olympics. I can just ask you quickly, as the resident expert of Oli Roos in Kick three sixty, um, if you had to pick two or three players to graduate to sort of there's more than two or three players. 20, <laughs> Top, top two or three to graduate to like a 20, 30 Socceroos Caps kind of players. Yeah. Who, oh, who okay, okay. Who, That's actually a very good who, question. That's actually a very good question. Um, Yengi, Kassini Yengi, if he stays fit. Jarich Bagalu for sure. I'd, I'd honestly stick Bagalu in that squad against uh, New Zealand in Already? September. Yeah. Um, okay. oh, just don't have a look. Maybe a bit premature, but Patrick Yazbek. Yeah. Uh, I'd say definite twenty definite twenty thirty Socceroos caps. Bagaloo for sure. Um possibly Lewis Miller. Possibly Cusini Yangi if he stays fit. Um, because he's Australia's best junk striker. Like by possibly far. boss. I think Gauchi when Yeah, I I, I it's Gauchi Ryan's gonna hold the reins until he's like thirty. Ryan's got what five, six. Right, seven, Ryan's gonna you know gatekeep that goalkeeper position yeah. for as long as he can. Um, Jordan Boss, well. Jordan Boss, I haven't seen too much of him, but I'd I'd say he's probably a future Socceroo. From what I um, saw in the A League, that was very impressive. I think he can be yeah. good. And I mean, there's a lot of left back options because you've got Farrell and King, but Boss is very much a lot more assertive, a lot more attacking. So yeah, definitely. You know, I, it's good to have like, like a, Boss. The Boss is the better all around wing back. Well, because I think Farrell's the future is a- really good for Australia at, in the left back position because you've got a couple of different, like really different players. I say King's probably the mix, and like Farrell's a bit more extreme. Like he's not fantastic going forwards, and he's very one dimensional. He can like he can progress the ball with passing, but that's really it. And he does clever crossing, but like, it's not very fast paced and it's kind of the same every time. Yeah. Boss is very like multidimensional in the way he can attack. Like uh, you see in the Melbourne city squad, he can invert and he can stay wide. He can have the touchline, you know, like, and he's exactly. fast and he's physical and then Kings like the mix in between. So like, that's exciting. So we should get, we should stay positive because we've made the world cup as well. Yeah, no, I think a lot of these players will, will play for soccer. I mean, Gauchi's, Gauchi's already been called into a squad. Um, well, I guess his backup will cover um, in that Japan game. Um, I think Lewis Miller, probably future soccer, Bagaloo, Boss, Dorigo, I don't know. Francois, if he plays this season for Fulham or gets a loan move to a good league, then maybe. Um, Brooke, maybe. Yengi, definitely. Kual. This might be controversial, but I don't really think as if he'll play for the Socceroos in the immediate future. People are saying we should cap him already, but... This guy's got a lot to work on <laughs> in terms of uh, he has improved since Mariners, though I will say, like um, his positioning, like his technical ability has all improved since he left the Mariners, which is a positive thing. He's he's a, he's a long term project. That's how I view him. Um, Yazbek, um, Pupian, um, probably uh, Wood, maybe Rawlins, definitely, and Bernardo Oliveira Paddy, probably as well. Cut you off, Neil. Paddy Wood will play zero games for Socceroos. That's my. That's my call. I just think he's. A, I think he's a lethal finisher. I, I don't know. I just. I think he's a. Yeah, he probably. Right, he's just. But. He's overrated, in my opinion. Fair enough. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, Yazbek for sure. Courtney Perkins don't think so. He's sort of stagnated since he moved to Poland. But players to, I'm so two to three. Are these players to get selected for the soccer roos? No, I'm just saying, like in general, players that will be playing soccer roos, like will my criteria is thirty. Do you think Paddy Yazbek will definitely play for soccer roos? Yes, in my opinion, yes. 
maybe not his, 20 to 30 his, caps. But. His trajectory and the way in which he's played in that system, despite what he's faced, he's the, one of the only A-League players that can play as a single six um, yeah. in a single pivot, which is like... He didn't. He can. I'm not saying he did, but he can. I don't think, I don't think he can. Anyway. You're the, you're, you're the tactics, man. I'm not. So, um, do I think this will play for Socceroos? I really hope so, but I just don't think it, it will happen. Um, yeah, like this squad's really good. This squad has is, is got a lot of quality. Um, and to think that the likes of Conor Metcalf, who are who is eligible for this team, um, the genre is also eligible. Many of these players who are playing Socceroos are eligible for this Oli Roos squad, could have played for the Oli Roos. Uh, to see the progression is very encouraging. I think Kai Truen's also someone that hasn't really gone on the pitch for the Oli Roos, but has played uh, an awful amount of A-League games for the age of 21. Um, there's a lot of depth in the soccer. Sorry to cut you off, Neil, but there's a lot of depth in the under Yeah, there's a ton. There's, there's a ton. Nice. Com- compared, compared to the squad that we had uh, two and a half years ago uh, in that tournament in Thailand, the 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 comparison has is is uncanny. Like this team is is completely different in terms of the, the quality that the players... I'm um, not saying they're, they're you know infinitely times better, but they're very different. And you can see that the clear progression lines that they have and they've got more match minutes, which is really important. And it reflects, uh, you know, play the youth. Looks play like the youth. Kind of, That's what happens. It's a byproduct yeah. of COVID, but, you know, systemic issues exist in Australian football. And uh, we'll get into that very soon in the offseason. Uh, we're going to take a break for about two weeks on the KitCast just to sort of, you know, recharge our batteries and we'll come back with you guys for a new plan. Uh, we've got some new podcasts and stuff, some really exciting stuff happening uh, with the publication. Obviously, we'll have Socceroos uh, coverage for the FIFA World Cup and stay tuned for those World Cup plans um, very soon. Uh, we may have someone in Qatar, which should be very exciting. Uh, and we'll sort of have to manage that and see Ooh, how that works out. We could, have, we could have match day vlogs in Qatar. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, besides that, uh, yeah, new podcasts will have coverage of the uh, Manchester United versus Melbourne Victory and Aston Villa games in Melbourne, which is really exciting. That's, that's in only a month's time. So uh, the, the city never sleeps. Football continues to occur and also the Matildas games uh, later uh, this month as well. We should have actually went through that, but we're out of time anyway. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, it's all been about the Socceroos this week. Uh, I've been Neil Simons. He's been Jack George. And he's also been David Chalovsky. Any final words, guys? We made it. We made it. Yay. Mon the Socceroos. Mon the Socceroos. Thank you so much for the support this season, guys. 35 episodes has been an absolute honor uh, this, I guess, sort of concludes the first season of the KitCast, which is a bit of a weird one um, to sort of talk about. But we'll be back with you in about two weeks uh, to discuss uh, everything with Australian football and maybe some new shows. We'll have, a, we'll have more details on that very soon. Thank you very much, guys, and uh, have a good weekend. <laughs>